Hey, we're continuing our series entitled Called, and this idea of what we are called to as followers of Jesus. And the first call was, one, is that you're, God offers a call to all of us to salvation, whether we choose to accept that or not. And then the call last week that Mike talked to you a little bit about was a call to community. And that in a call to community, this is, this is where Christianity, this is what it looks like and feels like for us to do life together is where transformation begins to happen. When you're in community together, that iron sharpens iron, that you begin to reveal a little bit more about yourself and you become accountable to other people. And that is in these community relationships that authenticity happens over time. It's obviously not something that happens right away, but over time you become more authentic with one another. And as you become more authentic with one another, you remove a little bit more of the take away some of the masks that we wear, you take away some of the things that we do to pretend to that give us self-worth and self-value. And so as you remove those masks and you remove the things that give us self-worth and self-value to other people, you begin to dig into what true, deep, meaningful, biblical relationships look like. It's what it looks like that truly how God sees us, but how we pretend with other people to not be who we truly are. That's the idea of that we walk into a room like this and we say, Hey, Chris... And we want people to know our name, but we don't want people to really truly know all about who Chris is. And so that is what biblical friendship, that's what community looks like, that as you do life together in community and life groups, as we're starting those here this coming week, get into your life groups. That's one of the fearful things about life groups is that one, you want people to know you, but the other part of that is people will know you. And so as people begin to know you, the fear is, is they, want, want, they won't want to hang out with you. And you know what? For some, that might be true. It may be true in those moments, but there's also those ability that you're truly in those community, authentic relationships is where you're going to grow the best, you're going to grow the deepest, and you're going to see the Word of God take root, and through accountable relationships with one another, you're going to grow and you're going to transform Christianity is not meant to be lived alone. It is meant to be lived within community. And as we live in community together, the blind spots that we have are, are made known to us. The things that we don't see necessarily about ourselves, others that are, as we do community with them, we get permission, we give them permission to speak truth into us, be able to say, hey, listen, and you talk life together. And as you talk life together, you can't help but be transformed. You have in those moments a choice. I'm going to continue to live in bondage. I'm going to continue to live with this new truth that I have about the character that's not Christ-like. Or I'm going to continue to grow and to change. And it's going to be painful. That's another thing about living in community that sometimes the truth hurts. But that truth also brings freedom. From death comes life. So this morning, as we continue this idea of being called, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. And it's a passage, maybe for some of you who've been around church for a long time, you know it. But it's this idea of what does it look like for us to grow and to be mature? You know, if you have a, a baby, I think we have some pictures available. If you have a baby, isn't that cute? That was me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not ever going to show you all my baby pictures. But a baby, you're not going to give a baby a steak. Why? Can't handle it. Right? It may, it may like the smell of it. It may gnaw on it, but that baby can do nothing with a steak. Okay? You're going to give a baby pure milk 
to drink because that's what it can handle. That's what its body is ready for. That's what its body is to digest. So look with me to Hebrews chapter 5, and we'll come back and, and talk about some things. But in Hebrews chapter 5, the author of Hebrews talks about this idea of growing up mature and what it looks like. We have much to say about this, this growing up, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still being an infant and is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Babies can't handle a steak. But babies grow up, right? So the babies move from milk, and then they babies kind of get into this little toddler stage, even before the toddler stage. And what do they start doing with the food? Parents? What? They start throwing their food, yeah, because it's nasty, right? So before they even start throwing their food, we do this thing. We process the food, right? So we start giving them adult food that none of us would eat, but we know it's good for our kids. And so we give them squash and potatoes and green beans and all those healthy foods. But we process them and we feed it to them and they spit it out and they do all kinds of different stuff. But we're moving along in the process of maturity and giving them the food because we know that they're beyond milk. And now they're moving into this more mature stage where they can digest this stuff and and it's digested and it's stinky, right? And it comes out, and so this whole process. And then you get from that to someone who's not just a toddler, but then they become a little bit older kid, and they start to take in some different foods. You start to give them some crackers and some chips and some Cheerios, and they're processing those things. You know that, hey, they're not going to choke on this. And so you again see this process of, of maturing and moving along, and then they move into preteen age, and their diet consists of like Dr. Peppers and Reese's. All right? And so we're like, hey, we want you to, to not eat these things. Let's eat healthy. And so the process, again, of maturing. And this process of whenever they get into preteen age and teenage years, is, as parents, we've taught them the right things to do. We've given them opportunities to learn truths. And now that they get into the preteen age and they get into the teenager, you know, junior high, high school stuff, they know right from wrong. They know to make the right decisions. They know how to choose friends, the right friends that are going to be positive for them. It's a matter of whether they choose to follow through with the truths that we've implanted in them or not. And this is a part of the process of maturing that for most of us as parents that we fear and we wonder how are our children really doing when they're away from us. I think that for moms and dads, whenever you send your kid to kindergarten for the first time, it's that fear of one, you're letting go, but then also knowing, hey, they're on their own. And I haven't taught them everything that they need to know to go to kindergarten, right? But they're incrementally learning things. As we know, everything you need to know in life, you learn in kindergarten. You know in your ABCs and how to get in line and follow directions and how to choose friends and how to make good decisions. And so for us, as we see, as we grow and we mature, one of the things for us as followers of Jesus is we know the truth. And we know the right decisions to make. We know what we should be doing many times as followers of Jesus. It's a matter of whether we are mature enough to make the right decision time in and time out so that we can continue to grow and continue to mature. Because at some point, 
There are students, there are adults that live life and think like 12 and 13-year-olds but are in 30-year-old bodies, 40-year-old bodies, and continue to make horrible decisions. It's not that they don't know the truth, it's that they choose not to follow the truth. Sometimes it's because as parents we've rescued, we've helicoptered, and we've never allowed our children to experience the consequences. And so one of the truths that the church, American church for sure struggles with is that there is suffering in life. There are consequences for the decisions that we make. And so for us as parents, we have to allow, that's the beauty of children growing up in our home is that we create a safe place for them. It's an incubator. It's a greenhouse so they can go out and they can make some mistakes and come back and say, hey, mommy and daddy love you, but you do not want to make this decision outside of this household because the consequences are going to be even greater when you get to being an adult. You know what? If you don't make house payments, you don't have a house. If you steal from someone, you get caught, you get in trouble. And so as parents, we've got to help our children understand that, hey, there are some truths, there are some consequences to wrong decisions. And the same thing is true as we're growing up in our faith. Somewhere along the way, we've got to make some mature decisions. And one of those things is obedience. I know that my children are growing up in the faith, that they're growing up in the things that I'm teaching them by their obedience to the things that mommy and daddy has taught them. So that if I come home from work and my son hasn't taken out the trash, that's disobedience. He knows the truth. Tuesdays, the trash goes out, does it not, in LaGrange, for most of us. Okay? So that's disobedience. And it seems small, but listen, for a seventh grade guy, that's a big thing. If he can quote me all the Texans and all their stats, he can for sure take out the trash on Tuesdays. Right? It's these little steps, and it's a choice. It's not that he can't see that every other house in America has their trash can out when we pick them up and bring them, and he looks at it, and he's like, huh. And I even drive by, and I'm like, dude, what do you think? All those blue things, those are awesome. Pull up to our house. We're missing a blue thing. Huh? Right? Or your kid's supposed to be doing the dishes. And so you're like, hey, we come into the house and the dishes are stacked and you got people coming over. And mama's like, we got people coming over. And they're like, huh? No. When mama wants the house clean and you haven't done your chores, and one of the chores is the dishes, and we're expecting people over, you better get on it because that is disobedience. And even those small things matter. And for us in our faith, how many times do we walk by opportunities and we see and we understand that there are flags that we should be making and doing some things and we look at them and go, huh, my house is going to be different. The trash man is going to pull up to my house. He loves me so much. The trash guy is going to pull up to my house, stop his truck. He's going to walk all the way up to the deal and he's going to pull it out, walk it out, throw it in there and he's going to walk it all the way back. Not going to happen. And many of us, we live our faith lives like that. Is that we're not responsible for even the details of our life. That we're called to obedience. We're called to do the small things. We're called that when we see someone in need, we need to go take care of those needs. Obedience is one of the key things for us in moving forward in our faith walk. That we move past the elementary things of drinking milk so that we can go to Murphy's and have a steak. Because those things are good. Someone called me last night. 
had a little dinner at back porch. It was good. And a little bit later on, someone called me and said, Hey, I just cooked some, just barbecued some barbecue. I got some left over. You want it? What do you think I said? Nah, it's, it's 9.30. I don't eat past 9.15. I was like, come on. What time? I'll turn the light on for you. I'll open the door. And uh, I, I didn't eat any, but I did take a taste. It was good. I don't even know. What, what was I talking about? I got distracted by that taste of that barbecue. That was good stuff. Anyway, we're growing in our obedience. We're growing in our obedience as we continue on. Here's three things I want you to grasp that as we grow in, in our obedience and in maturity and grow, three things that I want that we should grasp as followers of Jesus. Number one is that God is big. God is big and that He's supreme. In Ephesians chapter 3.18, even Paul says, listen, my prayer for you people in Ephesians, but for all the churches, is that you would grasp how deep and wide and long and everything, the wealth, the vastness of how much God loves you and cares about you. So much so, God is so big that He takes care of the details. Listen, He even he knows the stars. He can count them. He's given them names. And He's looked at your hairs on your head and He knows exactly how many you have. The details of life, He's that big and that vast and that concerned that He knows everything about you. The vastness of who God is and that He's King and that He's able to do what He says, when He says it, and how He wants how he wants it to do it. One of the things that we struggle with with God is that His mission is His mission. And sometimes we like to say, hey God, can we divert your mission and make Chris your mission? Can we make something else your mission? And when truly God is fully and only about His mission and His mission alone. And this is this idea of, of us that we struggle with, again, in our matureness of subjecting ourselves to the authority of who God is, that God is supreme, that God is big, and because of that, we need to submit ourselves to His authority. And that when we submit ourselves to His authority, then it's no longer only my agenda, but it's His agenda. And so that's this, again, ties back to our obedience. If it's His agenda and His agenda alone, then if I am, God, God is supreme, then I need to submit myself to His agenda. And so my mission is His mission. And that's the struggle for us, especially as American Christians, is that we've been sold this idea that it's about me and what I want to do and that God will join what Chris wants to do. When in reality, when God is supreme and God is big and in obedience, then I get on track with His mission. But also, there also is freedom in that because since God is supreme and we're to submit to His authority, we're just trying to find where He's working. I don't have to drum something up. I don't have to make something up. I don't have to just try to create this fake Holy Spirit stuff. You have to just find out where God is working and join in because it's about His mission and His business. It's not about my mission and my business. So there's freedom and relief in that. and saying, God, where are you working? Where are you doing? And so that's one of the reasons here we're saying, hey, listen, God is working in Awanas. God is working in kids. God's working in some of these areas. And so we're not going to try to create something totally new. We're going to join in. God, if you're doing this, then we're going to be here. And if next Wednesday we come back and we say, hey, wow, Awanas, God's not using Awanas or whatever, moving in that area, then we're going to begin to say, okay, God, where are you actively moving and doing stuff so that we can join in? There's relief in that. 
In other words, we don't have to play God because He's God and He's good enough at doing God. So let's just join in with what He's doing and quit pretending that we can control and manipulate the Holy Spirit, what He's doing. It's a realigning of our hearts with His kingdom and with His agenda. God is big. Second thing is God's in charge. He's sovereign. God is involved in every single aspect of creation. He created it. He's not surprised by it. The intimate details of creation, he was the beauty in it. I mean, it's more that we find out about the human body, the majesticness. I mean, just again, the, the minute details of how even our bodies work together. I, I read something the other day where even in the world, when we look at the ocean, we've only discovered about 5% of what's in the ocean. I'm not a mathematician, but that means there's 95% that hasn't been discovered yet. And we've been here a long time, and we think we're pretty smart. But we still haven't discovered 95% of what is in the ocean. And there's no telling what God has got down there. And we're going to go down there and go, wow, God, you are incredible. You thought about even this down here, 25 miles below the sea level, that there's something happening that's intricately important to the creation. And if that one thing wasn't there, then something radically would be different. Same thing is true with our bodies, that God is intimately involved in us. And one of the things that that allows us to do is to walk in the messiness of our lives and the lives of others, to join in what's happening, to know, listen, God is supreme and God is in charge. And so because of that, there's, even though we're never going to be perfect, even though we're never going to have, have it in control, that we can jump in where he's called us and it's going to be messy, but it's going to be okay. That's the safest place we can be is in the mess. The mess where God calls us to be. God is big. God is in charge. God's the one in charge of our success. Listen, one of the biggest things that um, I'm sure your dad never struggled with this, but I do as a pastor, is that we live under the weight of failure because the success of what does it mean to be a successful pastor? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And so I mean, we've, we've grown this past year, and it's been phenomenal to see what God's doing and in spite of me, but because of you. And as a part of that, sometimes, you know, when you're a new pastor, been here a year, um, not all everybody always agrees with the pastor. Imagine that. I know that never happened to your dad. <laughs> no better. And so, listen, because of the calling on my life, dude, honestly, there are other things, there are times that there are other things that I would want to do because I could make more money. Wouldn't have the stress. Wouldn't be on call 24-7. But because of the call on my life, there's no way that I can run from that. And that I know that I know that I know there was no other way that I would be satisfied than doing what I do. So, when someone, let's say, leaves the church, for whatever reasons they decide to leave, because things are changing or whatever, That's not flippant to me. Because if I'm the shepherd, and there's a sheep that's decided to go. And so then I ask those questions. I begin to grieve over that. Okay, God, what did I do? What have I done? What, what, is there something biblical? Is there something truth? And so to process that whole thing, and then, of course, being 
a red-blooded American male, I'm like, okay, how does this impact my success? How does this impact how people view me? How do people... And listen, so one of the things that God's continually working on me is, one, that He's supreme and that He's in, he's in charge. And because of that, the success of what that looks like has nothing to do with how many people are here, but that I'm obedient. And so there may be 50,000 people here, or there may be 50. But that my deal is, is that are you being obedient? And so every single time someone calls or emails or just whatever and says, hey, God's calling me somewhere else, and I grieve over that. Grieve over that, asking God, what are you doing in their life? What are you doing in our life? What's happening in the church? And then have to come back to this and saying, listen, God is in charge of success. And so what does it mean to be obedient in my own personal life? Because before I'm a pastor, I'm a follower of Jesus. Before I'm a pastor, I'm the husband to my wife and the father to my children. And so am I being obedient as a follower of Jesus? Am I being obedient to what it means to be called to the husband to my wife and to the, to the father to my children? Am I helping them grow up? Am I being the head of that household in a way that's self-sacrificing? Are they, did my wife and children say, hey, dad's going to lay down everything for me so that we know this is a safe place. We know this is a greenhouse to grow in our faith and to take faith risk and to do things that God's calling us to do. It is success as a follower of Jesus is not necessarily about how many people say yes to him, but it's about obedience. Now listen, here's what I do know, that if we're obedient, we're going to continue to grow. People are going to be drawn to you, and you're going to be a person they are going to say, there's something different about that person, and I want that, because they can walk through the stench of life with people and still see life in the midst of death. God is ultimately not only supreme and big and in charge and sovereign, but He's also God is love. That's His characteristic, and that He must become greater so that I can become less. And that's this whole thing. That the longer that we grow is that people see a little bit less of the old Chris and a little bit more of Jesus. A little bit more of who He is. And that is, again, as this whole idea of being a disciple of Jesus literally means to sit at the feet of Jesus as a student and to study Him. That as Jesus was telling His stories, that His disciples were sitting at His feet and they were learning the stories of Jesus, but they were also learning the mannerisms. They were learning, learning the voice inflection. That as He would walk, they would want to be close enough to the, to the walking path of Jesus that as His sandals kicked up dust, that they wanted His dust on their feet so that they could be that close. They would imitate Him and mimic Him and so that His facial expressions, His voice, everything that was about Jesus that identified Jesus they want it. That's what it meant to be a student of the rabbi. And so for us, that's our desire is that as we grow and as we mature, that we want to be walking so closely with Jesus that we're hand in hand with him, that as he's taking us to these places that are, that are full of, of wherever he's taking us, that he's kicking up his dust on us. And it's without a shadow of a doubt that God's taking us and that he's with us and we're walking with him and that he's in charge, that he's supreme. And they're looking at us and they're saying, you are from the rabbi, Jesus. And there's a little bit of less of Rabbi Chris or Rabbi whoever because there's a little bit more of Jesus in the way that we imitate and mimic. That's why Paul was constantly saying, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Follow me. Look like me. One of the things that my kids 
hate? Does it some of their mannerisms come from me? I laugh about it because I think they're awesome. <laughs> and that's what makes my kids awesome. And then I do something that makes me think of my mom or dad. And I'm like, dang it! That's not awesome. Listen, you should do things, you should ooze Jesus. That in those moments when pressure hits, that what leaks out of you is Jesus. When the struggles of life hits, that you're, you've so soaked up Jesus, you're sitting at his feet, and you just the stuff of life just presses around you that Jesus oozes out as you've been walking with him. God is in charge. He's in supreme. He's growing us and moving us. And one of the ways that this happens is through getting into habits. Listen, positive habits. I mean, a baby doesn't brush their teeth because they don't have teeth. At what age do we start teaching kids to brush their teeth? When they get their first tooth, right? The first tooth comes in, and what do we do as parents? We go buy out the most expensive, coolest, newest thing that has little sensors that they've brushed for five and a half minutes and it changes their teeth from purple to blue to white or whatever that is, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? And so we're, we're going to go all out to make sure that our kids get those basic things down and they learn them so that one day you hope that when they're 35 and they're married, that their husband or their wife are going, you didn't brush your teeth? No, my mama never taught me that. That's why you got a tooth. Let's keep that one. That was, that was pretty good. Y'all, somebody write that down. That was good. <laughs> growing. Listen, as a pastor, continually growing. It's important that I continue to grow, but it's important for you to continue to grow. Get into the habits. Start studying the Word. Open up the Word. Five, ten minutes. Read it. God, talk to me through it. Begin to write down what's God saying. We're gonna, we'll have a resource for you here in the next couple of weeks. It'll come in a, book, in a little... Um, five and a half by eight and a half binder with some different things so you can take the sermon notes the reasons that we provide you sermon notes is because all of us learn differently you can take notes and and move through those things and um, journal and and read god's word and study god's word i think it's one of the things we're doing with our life groups is we're going to take this message that you've heard today and then you're taking notes and you're going to go to your life group and you're going to study it even a little bit more and think deeper about it because you we need to continue to dig deep into God's Word. And 25 minutes with Chris is not nearly enough. We're just beginning to scratch the surface. And the truths of God are simple, but also deep and life-transforming. And in a group, you can come together and say, hey, how are we growing? How are you doing it growing? And ask those questions. And people can say, honestly, hey, I haven't had a quiet time in three years. Or whatever. You're doing those things. And so growing in your personal worship and your journaling time, growing in the fact that if you're in a, in a life group, that if you're not at church on Sunday, somebody's going to call you. Say, hey, I missed you, okay? They, all those different things to care for and, to, and to, to do what you need to do to grow in the faith because growing does not happen on your own. The best thing they tell you about working out is don't work out alone, work out with a partner. Why? Because you know you're going to disappoint that other person if you don't show up. That's why most of us work out alone. Because nobody's saying, hey, where are you? It's 6 o'clock, right? And so listen, Grow grow commit to grow i've i I know of people that have been in church for a long time and they know jesus and they know a lot about jesus but are still babies 
still drinking milk. And that's not my desire for you. And listen, it hurts. There's growing pains. You remember being a teenager and you're laying in bed and your knees hurt and your body hurts because there's the body stretching out and growing? Same is true. When you go exercise, I've heard rumors, when you exercise, it hurts. Okay? It hurts. If you eat too much barbecue, it hurts. All right? Do the things you need to do to grow. You will not be disappointed in growing and allowing the dust of the rabbi to be on your own feet. All right? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've called us. You've given an open invitation for us to know you and to grow close to you. Father, I pray for those in this room that, one, they've received and accepted that call to know you, but they're also growing. Father, that this week would be a time where maybe they jump in for the first time to a life group and are challenged by that. And Father, that, that I know that even for myself, that that's been the best place to grow and to be challenged in my faith. Father, we lift you up this morning. The name of Jesus is above all other names. That we want to be disciples that sit at the feet and mimic and imitate you, our rabbi. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.